0: Come on, what an incredible day. To God be the glory. That's what Jesus looks like when he goes out and serves the community. You guys are unbelievable. I'm I'm on the front row right there with tears in my eyes, overwhelmed and amazed at what we get to do for a living. I've heard it said in the past, uh, there's this discussion about surrendering to the call of ministry. Now, I surrendered to the call of ministry. Well, I don't know what church that those pastors had to go to, but it wasn't Cajun people in in Eunice, Louisiana, and it wasn't New Hope because I haven't surrendered or sacrificed anything to come be a part of such an incredible family. I want you to bless yourselves and everybody that took part yesterday. 120 plus people, 48 cars. Come on, 27 yards. Across the community, two wheelchair ramps, three schools, two principals, and a partridge in a pear tree. Hallelujah. 500 pounds of crawfish yesterday evening that culminated the event. Big thank you to Brian Bundick, James Thibodeau. Thank you, Jesus. I got his last name right this time. And, and JP Lejeune for cu- cooking uh, some of the best crawfish. South of I-20 that I've had in a long time. I appreciate appreciate you guys. We had a great time yesterday. Romans chapter 6. This is what happens whenever you surrender to the invitation. Whenever you accept the invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself. The invitation that we've been going over for the last few weeks is is very simply the invitation to follow me to abide in Christ and and therefore be more like him. When you do that, when you accept that invitation, according to Paul in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, something significant happens in your life that begins a new journey where you begin to learn that it really truly is more blessed to give and to do for others than it is to receive and have things done for you. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Here in just a little while, I don't know which part to make a bigger deal of the 120th serve day with the 40 uh, something projects and hundreds of people that were ministered to, or the fact that we have almost 20 people that have given their hearts to Jesus and want to show everybody in believers' baptism right after second service today. Yeah, that's a great place to go ahead and, and not hold it in. We're not talking about revival, we're seeing it happen in the hearts and the lives of people and families. Unbelievable. What God is doing, not what we're doing, but what God is doing in this place. For we have died, and we were buried with Christ in baptism. That is not a sacrifice. It's a surrender that brings new significance to my life. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live, come on, new lives. I'm not who I used to be. I love this. uh, Our in-house pastor, Blaine Francois, when we first got voted in, he had an opportunity to go preach in Cotton Valley, Louisiana. How many of you have ever been to Cotton Valley, Louisiana? Not on purpose, you haven't, okay? You went, there, you went there with a plan, unless you just got way lost and off track somewhere. Either that or for some reason, you were trying to go to Southern Arkansas and took the wrong road, because that's not the way that you would want to go either. But Cotton Valley, Louisiana, and, and, and our in-house pastor, Blaine Francois, had an opportunity to preach up there. And, and he went up there, and uh, he was talking about what was going on at the church. And, man, at the time, we, we had a, a good solid 120, 150 people that were members and plugged in at that time. And, and he was telling them, they were asking the questions. And, and he was talking about this new pastor, and, and he, this new pastor is from Minden. Well, the daughter-in-law of the pastor of that church in Cotton Valley it was also from Minden. And, uh, and actually, I graduated with her, and, and Brandy said, well, who is it? And he said, it's Chris Fry. And she goes, he's a pastor? <laughs> and he said, yeah, he's my pastor. <laughs> the shock in your eyes is so encouraging. Praise the Jesus. Could you let us know? And she's like, well, hey, look, you know, God can really do all things if you give him an opportunity to. If Chris Fry is a pastor, listen, I'm telling you that when you accept the invitation and you follow Jesus, you discover his purpose and plan for your life, you can impact eternity in a way that you never even imagined. He will send you a church to help you conquer a community for Christ Jesus in his name. For we are dead and buried with Christ in baptism. And just just as he was raised from the dead, now by the glorious power of the Father, we also may live new lives. I don't have to look back, I don't have to look around, I just look ahead at everything that Jesus already has in store for me, and I take it one step at a time because he orders them. He is the host. I want to talk to you about the host this morning I want to remind you of the glory of God today I want to remind you about the king of kings and the lord of hosts Adam and the woman were so overwhelmed by his glory that they hid in their sins They hid from the glory of God. They they hid from His holiness. Well, why would you say that they hid from God? Because there was nobody else to hide from. It was them and God. And they weren't scared of the serpent... They knew that the serpent, Lucifer, had just tricked them into giving back the dominion of God. They weren't scared of one another because they hid with one another. That only leaves one culprit. And it was the glory of God that they were comfortable with the day before in His holiness. But now all of a sudden, when they came to the true knowledge of everything that He was and is and ever will be, they were afraid and ashamed because they realized who they were not. The people of Israel were so overwhelmed with the glory of God that when it came down and began to touch the bottom of the mountain and spread across the ground, they began to beg Moses to ask him to stop. So Moses would go up and meet with God and Moses himself wanted to see God. He asked to see God, but God understood that he could not handle that. In fact, the only thing that God would be able to do is pass by and Moses could barely handle a drive-by of God. Pharaoh was so overwhelmed by the power and the authority of God that he literally got all choked up. He drowned in the sea. Ezekiel stud, stutter, st- st- tried really hard to find words through three chapters in the Bible that most people to this day cannot, try, cannot interpret and figure out. He couldn't find adjectives to describe what he saw. When he saw the glory of God. Isaiah, who had been complaining about the people that he had to lead. He wasn't doing a great job as pastor. He called it surrendering to the ministry. He saw it as a sacrifice. But then all of a sudden, when he saw the glory of God in the temple, he repented. He didn't say, woe are the people. Woe is Israel. Woe are you. He said, woe is me, for I'm unclean. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, stood in the presence of the glory of God and received the promise of God, but didn't believe the promise, so immediately became seized and mute in his presence, and he didn't speak again until John the Baptist was born. Ananias and Sapphira fell dead in the presence of his holiness for a lack of repentance and honesty. Paul traded killing for dying. And John, tarred and feathered and exiled on the island of Patmos saw a vision and it wasn't a vision of a baby he said I saw the heavens open and I saw a white horse and its rider was faithful and true his eyes were like burning coals his hair was white as snow and he wore a robe that was drenched in blood with a sash of gold and on his robe and on his thigh was written King of Kings and Lord of Lords his hands were like bronze and his feet sounded and and his voice rumbled." as it thrust across the earth and from his mouth came a double-edged sword that he could hardly stand to listen to this is the glory of God Almighty he is Jehovah God he is Yahweh he is Jehovah Sebiath, the Lord of Host not just the host but the Lord of Host plural so I want to ask you this question today as I'm trying to prime you and warm you up just a little bit, how big is your God? How big is your God? Your view of God will determine your vision for life. So it's very important that you don't underestimate who it is that you believe in. Your view of God will determine your vision for your children. Your view of God will determine your vision for giving. Your view of God will determine your vision for surrender. Your view of God will determine your vision for an authentic prayer life. Come on, somebody. Your vision, your view of God will determine your vision, and ultimately your vision will determine what you do or do not accomplish in this one life that the God has given you to live. Your answer to this question, how big is your God, your answer will affect the outcome of your life. A.W. Tozer, a great man of God, apparently a bad husband and father, and yet a great man of God nonetheless. He said your thoughts of God will predict with certainty your spiritual future. Why did I say that he was a bad husband and father? Because after his death, his wife was interviewed. And she had been newly married to another man. And the, the interviewer asked her, how, do you, how, does your, how are you getting along with your new husband? I mean, you were the wife of A.W. Tozer, one of the greatest evangelists and revivalists that has walked the face of the earth since Jesus himself. How are you getting along in his passing? And she said, A.W. loved... Jesus, with all of his heart, but my new husband loves me. See, the greatest thing that you can do, men, is make sure that your bride and your babies, your loved ones, and your friends, they don't just know how much you love Jesus, but they know how much you love them. Belief is reflected in behavior. Let me say that again. It's why it's so important that we don't just preach the grace gospel. Where everything is okay and everything is forgiven. You can just live however you want to because Jesus has already paid for that. That's an extension of grace into a heretical place that it was never meant to be. It's also important that we don't just preach the truth gospel. I'm telling you that you're a wicked sinner. I'm telling you everything inside of you is like hell on fire. You need to break your own legs and bow down. No, see, you can't You can't just preach the truth gospel. Because nobody can carry that. In fact, the only one that could ever carry the absolute truth and live the perfect and sinful life was Jesus himself. And his physical body couldn't even handle the cross. The gospel is grace and truth. And when you believe in the God that is the creator of all things, that is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, then it will be reflected in your behavior. What you believe is reflected in your behavior. Let me give you an example. Okay? Many of you know that we started, and by we, I mean this has become a family event. People are traveling down from North Louisiana to watch this event. We call it Gabriel's T-ball game. It has become a thing. He hits twice and runs around in the field, picks a lot of flowers and even more from his nose. But when he hits, we have just learned within the last couple of months, just as the other teams that we get to play, sometimes they love to hit, but they forget what to do after that. So they'll hit and they'll just start running circles with their bat. And everybody's run to first. Run to first. And so for the first couple of games, you know, Gabriel would he would hit the ball and then he'd watch it go and he'd lay his bat down and here he'd come, you know. I hit the ball, Daddy. I hit the ball. Did you see me hit the ball? And then he'd get on first, you know, and he'd be all proud. He got tagged seven times on the way to first base, but he's on first and he's proud. And he's looking back at mama. I hit the ball and now I'm on first. You know, he's so proud. He believed that that was the ceiling of his success. But then he realized a little while into it that when he got tagged, it meant he was out. And I told him, look, son, next year, if that boy tags you with that ball when you hit it, you don't get to stand here and go, look at me, mama. You got to run back to the dugout and sit on the bench because you can't play anymore that inning. And he looked at me. I said, you quit letting that boy tag you or you're out when he tags you. And he said, So the next game, he hit the ball, and it went right back to the pitcher, and the pitcher grabbed it, and there was a foot. They looked at one another, and he looked at me, and I said, Run, son, he's going to tag you. He took off like he had fire in his tail. He got to first base, and that boy was on his tail the whole time, reaching and stretching, trying to get him, because he believed it affected the way that he behaved. That brother hits the ball, drops the bat, and runs like he stole something now. It's amazing. If you understand the majesty and the holiness of God, then you will run the race of this life like something is on fire inside of you. I'm asking you how big is your God because your belief in how big God is is going to affect your behavior and the outcome of the rest of your life. So I ask again, how big is your God? Let me say this. With God, all things are possible. See, you don't believe it. Because if you believe that with God, all things were possible, then you wouldn't be able to sit still long enough. You wouldn't be able to contain everything that he is on the inside of you you too would be like isaiah who said i saw the lord high and lifted up seated on his throne and the train of his robe filled the temple day and night the seraphim, the six-winged angels, would cry unto the Lord, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. How big is your God? They could hardly contain themselves whenever they got in the presence of the host, the Lord of host Isaiah 47:4 says as for our redeemer see he wrote five chapters he wrote five chapters on the truth of Israel if they didn't turn back to God but once he saw the Lord and repented himself He wrote the next 50 plus chapters explaining the glory and the majesty of the Lord. He took it upon himself to do everything that he could so that the people of God understood their potential when they were in the presence of God. As for our Redeemer, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. He's still enamored at what he experienced. It hasn't worn off. It hasn't burned out. And he continues to write in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8. Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are nothing like yours, says the Lord. See, when you experience the presence of God, you can begin to hear the voice of god my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the lord my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine listen just just how much are they how big is my god for just as the heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts I want you to highlight that verse, and we're gonna spend about the next 20 minutes dissecting and explaining just how high that actually is. Just how big our God truly is, not just from our perspective, but according to his word and according to science. Can I help you today that God doesn't see problems? He sees opportunities. God doesn't see issues in people's lives. He sees a plan of redemption for the person that has the issue. From the very beginning, God instituted a plan of redemption. And he's still instituting plans of redemption today because in God's eyes, there is no such thing as issues and problems, but in his eyes, there are many plans and many opportunities. Now, I have a few sources here, and if you want to look this up later, you can go and check out on YouTube, The All Factor of God, The All Factor of God. Francis Chan shares some of this, The All Factor of God. And then my other resources here very simple hubblesite.org some information that we're going to receive from the Hubble te- telescope this morning and then also nasa.gov okay just to just to infiltrate with some sources I'm not just kind of pulling this stuff off google these are pretty legitimate places to find this how high how big how great is my god the bible says is high as the heavens are above the earth. Just recently, and I say recently, about two, uh, a few years back, because when, when you hear this, according to Francis Chan, we had discovered a galaxy that was about 12 billion um, light years. I'm going to explain that. 12 billion light years away. But today, scientists, through the Hubble Telescope, And from Voyager 1, which I will explain in just a minute, they have discovered another galaxy. This galaxy is estimated, best scientific estimation, estimated to be 13.4 billion light years away. According to them, that's why we're just now seeing it. Because it's just now where the light has traveled for us to be able to see And I have a picture. Do we have the picture of the Big Dipper? We got that? Okay, so um, you can't see it, but there's a red dot. It's behind the I and the P. When I was in my office earlier this week, I was like, it's behind the PP. I was like, no, I can't say that. If I do it, I have to do it on purpose. So it's really right there where the, where the P is. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I did youth ministry for way too long. But, but it really is where, where the red dot is. This is where the red light is. Okay, now, and, and, and focus in just a little bit more. There's another picture of this a little bit closer. There it is. You see the little X in the back? This is the newest galaxy that they've discovered. It's 13.4 billion light years. Okay, just hold that up for just a second, okay? Because I want you to think of this galaxy that is 13.4 billion light years. Now, let me break this down a little bit further for you. Many of you know this, and some of you are like, whoa, I'm not going to be able to keep up, but that's okay. You can go back and watch it later and try to explain it to somebody else, and they won't understand what you're saying anyway, so you can just act like you know what you're talking about, and they'll be wowed by you too, okay? One light year, one light year is how far... You could travel if you could travel at the speed of light, okay? It's six trillion miles is how far you could travel if you could travel for one year at the speed of light. The speed of light is 186,000 miles per second, okay? 186,000. Let your mind wrap around that for just a second. I'm going slow. It's okay. (laughs) 186,000 miles per second. If you could travel 186,000 miles per second for one year, you would travel six trillion miles. Okay, oh, those are really big numbers. Let Let me break it down a little bit further just so that you understand. If you were to start counting right now and you counted two Numbers per second, two numbers per second. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and you just kept on counting until you got to one billion, that would be 15 years from right now. That's how big a billion is. If you were to count two numbers a second, if you start counting right now and then you finish at one billion, it would take you 15 years to count to one billion, okay? If you were to count to 1 trillion, it would take you 150 years. If you were to start counting right now, I challenge anyone to begin this process this afternoon. <laughs> 150 years. Now listen, listen. At 186,000 miles per second, you could travel one for one year and you would go 6 trillion miles. The furthest galaxy away, GNZ-11, GNZ-11, I know, right? Sounds like it came off Star Wars, but it didn't because I've never seen any of those. GNZ-11 is 13.4 billion light years away. It's 13.4 traveling at 1. 186,000 miles per second, 6 trillion miles a year, 13.4 of those away from earth. To tell you just how far that is, if you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you eight minutes to get right here and go to the sun. That's how far this galaxy is away, okay? 13.4 billion light years. September 13th. 2013, I'm going to slow down even more. Voyager 1 was launched in 1977. Voyager 1 launched into space 1977, and it's cruising along at a nice easy speed of 38,000 miles per hour. (laughs) Y'all aren't listening. I lost (laughs) y'all. We have a satellite going through space at 38,000 miles per hour. Okay? It was launched over 30 years ago. It's still sending back data to NASA. And we are discovering some of the things that it is sending back as it travels 11 miles per second through space. It is currently 11.7 billion miles miles not light years but miles from earth it's been traveling for 30 years at 38,000 miles per hour and it's 11 billion miles from earth at this rate according to the data that Voyager 1 is sending back to earth it will reach the next closest star in 40,000 years yeah The data from the satellites and the telescope, the Hubble telescope, which, by the way, is about 300 miles above Earth's atmosphere. It's not on Earth. It's a telescope that we launched into an orbit, into space. Um, It has given us images back. You'll see some of those images on that All Factor of God video. And according to these images and the information that Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 is sending back, but Voyager 1 is way further than Voyager 2. According to the data, scientists estimate the observable, the observable universe, like what what we could see in light as of this newest galaxy to be 46.5 billion light years in diameter. 46.5 billion not, not miles, but light years. 186,000 miles per second times 46.5 billion. That's how big the observable, the assumed, estimated universe is that they know of. Remember, what we're doing this morning is we're trying to answer the question, how big... Is your God the Bible says as high as the heavens are above the earth forty six point five billion light years above the earth are his ways than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts So when I ask the question, how big is your God, there can be an understanding that what I believe in affects how I behave, and my behavior is based on the belief that my God is bigger than anything that I could even ask, think, or imagine in Christ Jesus. He is 46.5 billion light years ahead of any thought that I have even almost had in this life. How big is your God? John chapter 20. i give you hope for ending really early this morning, but I want Aaron to come join me. It really just means that I have about 10 preaching minutes left. It's kind of like the end of a football game. John chapter 20 is the story of Jesus' resurrection. I want you to remember, okay, That in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In John chapter 20, we see the culmination. We see the result of the Word becoming flesh and giving his life for mankind. We see the result, listen remember of above and beyond 46.5 billion light years away coming down and making himself a little lower than the angels for one purpose to die. How big is your my big God became my best friend. The Bible says He gave His life. Nobody takes my life from me, said Jesus. I lay it down myself. He laid down His life on a cross at Calvary. But three days later, he raised himself from the dead. Okay, hang on, hang on. Because I know y'all are like, ooh, ooh. Because you sense something because we started playing the piano. All the overly holy people for a long time got that joke. I'm one of those. We're in the same bucket. As he raised himself from the dead on the third day he revealed himself to Mary Magdalene watch this he said Mary don't touch me but her Savior was alive she's like ah, you know she's like that beautiful sister at church that when you first come walking in it's like ah, <laughs> yes what but Jesus Jesus didn't get to be <laughs> Like, he gets to be rude. I don't get to be rude. I'm like, hey, praise the Jesus. Let's hug right in front of everybody. It's cool. Let's do it. Okay. And Jesus is like, hey, don't touch me. You no, know, Jesus gets away with so much stuff, man. It's unbelievable. He said, don't touch me. But he had a reason. And I love giving hugs, by the way. He says, hugs are free. Jesus said, don't touch me. Why? Because I have yet to ascend to my Father. I've yet to ascend into the heavens. Later that afternoon, his disciples are sitting around, and he decides to do one of the funniest things in the scripture to me. They're all sitting around in the room with the doors closed and locked because they're afraid for their lives, and Jesus, is like, busts up in the room in resurrected form. The first thing he says is, Do not be afraid. <laughs> like, whoo! <whew. laughs> so glad you said that. <laughs> Can you clean that up? Because whoo! <laughs> We are not expecting you to bust through the wall right there. <sighs> and he still doesn't let them touch him. He leaves. And then the Bible, in the very next verse in John chapter 20 says, eight days later, Thomas, in the same room with the others, and Jesus just couldn't get enough of this joke. <laughs> through a, lock, a locked door and a wall. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, we did this last week. Thomas is like, ah! Why were y'all not scared? You weren't here, bro. He did it last week. We were used to it. (laughs) Like when I drove by Kelsey the other day and blew the horn, and Nicole almost fell in the ditch. And Kelsey's like, "Welcome to my life." (laughs) But this time, (laughs) but this time, Jesus says, "Thomas, come here. I want to show you something. I want to let you put your finger in the scar." You to see it right here. And I want you to take your hand and I want you to place it in my side where the spear was. Mary and the disciples couldn't touch him eight days earlier, but eight days later, he allows Thomas to touch him and he continues to reveal himself for the next 30 plus days to over 500 people. The author of Hebrews tells us that. Jesus went into the Holy of Holies not created by the hands of man. See, in the Old Testament, they had to to slaughter a lamb and they had to put the blood on the altar in the Holy of Holies created by the hands of man. But in the New Testament, we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus was the Lamb of God. He paid the ultimate sacrifice and He went into the Holy of Holies not created by the hands of man. He poured out His blood on the altar of God and said no more animals have to be sacrificed. No more people have to be sacrificed. All they have to do is surrender to my sacrifice. And I'm going to take them to places that they never could have taken themselves. Here's what I think. Jesus gave up his spirit. The book of John says it was the night before Passover. In the Old Testament, in in Israel, there was a a death angel that was coming, and God told Moses to tell the people to take a lamb that was spotless and pure and, and rub it over the doorpost. Rub the blood over the doorpost, and the angel of death will pass over you. So Jesus died on the Passover as the Passover lamb for all of mankind for all of time. And instead of spreading the blood of the Lamb on the threshold, we stand in the threshold, and we let the blood of the Lamb be poured out on us, and it makes us white as snow. He was the Passover Lamb for all of mankind, for all time. And I believe that that was the sixth day. Now, we can, we can discuss this later if you want to. I don't have time to go into all the Scripture, but I, I just believe that what God's done before, He tends to stay true to, and He lays out patterns in Scripture. This was the sixth day, the day before the Passover, the day before the Sabbath, and then Jesus, being true to His Word, on the seventh day, He rested. Evening died, morning, a day. Evening, morning, He rested. He rested. Okay? But then, all of a sudden, John chapter 20 says Mary Magdalene went to the tomb with with Peter and John, and by the time they got there, on the third day, before the light was even up good, the tomb was empty. So Jesus gave Himself as the sacrifice on the sixth day, as the ultimate Passover lamb. On the seventh day, He rested, and then evening and morning came on the eighth day, the new day, or the first day of the new life. And hell began to tremble because Jesus decided, I've given my life, I've lived what I was supposed to live, and now it's time for me to do what I really came to do. So on the eighth day, before the sun even came up in the morning, Jesus made a trip into the core of the earth at 186,000 miles per second, faster than the devil has ever seen anybody move. He bust open the gates and he scared the hell out of the devil taking back the keys of life. He says, I know what you did to Adam. I was there in the garden when he hid from me from the very first time. But what you've done before, I'm not going to let you do again. I'm the propitiation of all sin for all time. And because of one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. But because of my obedience, many will be made righteous. Beginning today, it will happen. Watch, hang on, watch this. He revealed himself to Mary, and he revealed himself to the disciples. But he said, hey, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I've yet to ascend to my father. And they said, yes, Lord. That evening, the Bible says, the first day, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Days later, something had happened that caused Jesus to go from untouchable to touchable and reachable. Here's what I think happened. I think that Jesus left that place that evening. He made a 46.5 billion light-year trip in more than 186,000 miles per second as an 8-day round trip. He poured out his blood on the altar of God. He said the sin of man will only be known through me if they accept me as their sacrifice. He came back down and he said, "What I came to do has been accomplished. You couldn't touch me before, but get on over here, Tom. I want you to partner with me, and when you link with me, we're going to accomplish more together than you would have ever accomplished on your own. Jesus was God incarnate. He is the living God. He is in the form of man, but he became the son that would be the sacrifice for all time. He said, I am the bread, and just as your stomach will be filled with food, so you will be filled with my word. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm your salvation for eternity. But baby, I'm your substance for right now. I am the light of the world. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, Let there be my son revealed unto all the earth. And light burst forth into the darkness. Hell shook, and the earth was created. And the one who created everything that was and is and is to come is a great big God that said, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friend. Partner with me. And we'll go all the way to the end. In him I live. I move. And I have my being. How big. He's not even yours anymore. I done talked about him too much. How big is my God? How big is my God? Come on. He's her God too. Is he your God? Is he your God? God. Because when he becomes your God the way that he is hers, you won't be able to hold it in either. It'll be like a fire shut up in your bones. It'll make you run this race with an endurance that you didn't even know you had. How big is your God? He is the host. And this is his invitation, friend. Follow me. Thomas, I know you didn't believe. I know you've been struggling. Peter, I know you denied me before your friends. I know you're embarrassed. Adam, I know you did the one thing I told you not to. Eve, I know you twisted my word to make it fit what you wanted. But I'm telling you, I care more about your future than I do your past. I've paid for that, and I've got a plan for this. How big is your God? Jesus, would you help us this morning to not just be hearers of the word, but to respond and be doers this morning. I thank you that you were full of grace and truth. You were the Lord of hosts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways and so are your thoughts. But then you came down and made yourself a little lower than the angels. And you called me friend. The Bible says, Whoever receives him, these shall be called sons and daughters of God so I ask you today one more time in this series are you following him if you were to see the manifestation of God right now in, this, in his presence you stood in his presence today would you bow in honor and humility Or would you tremble in fear because you haven't been living for Him? If you're in the house today, we believe that Jesus did die once and for all. And that if you will just confess Him as Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you can be saved. You confess your sin and you ask for forgiveness because you believe that He paid for that and He overcame it. Today, if I'm talking to you and you know that that message was for you to get your heart right with Jesus, whether for the first time or the first time in a long time, if you need to receive His salvation today and you'd like to be included in this prayer that we're all going to pray, I just want you to lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Include me in the prayer, please. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up all over the room. Anybody? I see you. Thank you. Pastor, please include me in this prayer of forgiveness. I haven't been following him, but I want to. Include me in the prayer right here. That's me. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you. You're going to receive salvation today. Church, if you would just be honest with yourself and even everybody else in the room and you would say, I needed to be reminded of how big my God is. I need to stop letting the devil try to take away what Jesus brought back. I want to not just follow Him, but I want to do everything that He's called me to do. I don't want to miss anything and I don't want to hinder anybody If you need to make that right, would you just lift your hand and say, Father, forgive me. That's me right now. Just lift your hand. Hands going up all over the sanctuary. Come on, church. Would you pray this prayer with me today with all of your heart right where you are? Jesus, forgive me for taking you for granted, for selling you short, for every sin in my life. Save me. Take my life Make it yours. Help me to follow you with all of my heart. I confess you as Lord. And I believe that you are who you said you were. And you can do what you said you can do. Lord, use me to do it. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe in a big God, I want you to stand up all over this place and let him know today. Come on, stand up. Don't stretch. Clap and shout. That's how you get warmed up again from being sat down for too long. Hey, I want to ask you to do me a favor. We've got a baptismal tank set up just outside the awning outside. So if, if you want shade, you can stand on the awning. And if you like the sun, then you can stand outside. Or if you just don't get back in time, you can stand outside anyways. So we've got a baptismal tank set up, okay? And we've got several candidates ready for baptism. Listen, here's the requisite for baptism. Here's the requirement for baptism is that you believe in Jesus, And so if you're here today and you want to be baptized, I think we've got enough t-shirts to try to make that happen for you. I don't want you to think about it another day. I want you to join the almost 20 people that are getting baptized today. I want you to say, you know what? I've waited long enough. I've confessed Him as Lord and I'm going to make this right right now today. We'll let you have our towel. We'll go buy another one. You can keep it as a keepsake for getting baptized at the last minute. Put an exclamation mark on your relationship with Jesus and begin writing a new chapter. And if you can be here to celebrate that with us, come on back after second service and let's make sure that they know how proud we are of them. Amen? All right. Open up your hands like I'm handing you a present. Jesus, I love you. I pray that you would help us to receive the fullness of your glory. I pray that you would help us to understand the height and the depth of your glory, your majesty, but even more than that, your love for us. Lord, would you bless us and keep us and make your face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. God, lift up your countenance upon your people. Help us to receive your peace, the peace of the Lord of hosts and the King of glory. Bless us in our going and our coming back. May everything we put our hands to be blessed. May we be anointed to accomplish your will, to walk in your ways, and empowered with your spirit to be an example for you. May we meet people and grow closer to you together as you build your kingdom right here in Eunice. In Jesus' name, I pray. Everybody said amen. God bless you. Meet somebody that you don't know before you leave here today.